Heavenly Father, we um, thank you that you're a great God, a powerful God, a gracious God. Please give us understanding now of this passage from Philippians. Help us to understand the secret of contentment that uh, is independent of our external circumstances. Heavenly Father, please... uh, God, what I say and help me to say it in a way that's pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, Amen. So today we're finishing our series in Philippians chapter 4, uh, 10 to 23. And uh, what we're looking at today is contentment. Now the dictionary Meaning of contentment is to be in the state of peaceful happiness, to be in a state of peaceful happiness. So what makes you content in this life, apart from fishing? <laughs> that's, that's, that's a given. Uh, there's always one critic. Everyone's content? No problems in life? Well, perhaps we should go. No, um, you know, what's... Most people say, are you content? Well, wealth, health, um, a good job, good relationships, peace. Um, Consider the TV images of contentment. There's the real estate ads and uh, you'll see that there's a modern family. They're upwardly mobile. Uh, There's mum and dad. They're they're good-looking like our uh, new pastor here. Um, or like Joe as well. So, um, so they've got 2.7 children and um, they're running round the house, their new house with a golden retriever or a um, doodle, an ostradoodle. But the message is that house and possessions will, you, will give you long-term contentment. Now, another version of Contentment we see on TV is Renault Rescue. The, the solution to all problems is renovation. But contentment based on our external circumstances is problematic. The first issue is when is enough enough? Say you get the big house, the boat, well, in my case, the big kayak, um, the big car and an investment portfolio. Now, that might satisfy for a while, but most people after a time will want a bigger house, a bigger boat, a bigger kayak and uh, more posh cars and perhaps a holiday house and so on. But when is enough enough? The second issue arises from how fragile Life circumstances uh, are for everyone. You can become sick uh, or those close to you can get sick Um, and obviously that's biting home at the moment with um, Hayley and Steve and Nikki. You can lose your job. You can lose your family and friends. Um, These things can change overnight. If you're Contentment is tied only to external circumstances, only to external circumstances. It's vulnerable and can evaporate at any time. 
Yet Paul speaks of a deeper contentment uh, he has learnt that's independent of his external circumstances. Uh, Philippians 4.11, second half on reads, For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, well, well, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. So Paul states that this special sort of contentment, this deeper contentment, is robust and exists wherever you are sick or not, or hungry or not, in plenty or need. But you've got to ask the question seriously, is Paul deranged? Um, Surely it's perverse to pretend that things are content around you when things are bleak and your world is falling apart uh, around you. And for Paul himself, he's been beaten um, multiple times, imprisoned multiple times, shipwrecked twice. Um, As he writes this particular letter, he's under house arrest in Rome and he probably knows what's coming which is uh, execution. So what contentment is Paul experiencing in chains? Is he just pretending to be stoic? Should we ignore him anyway because he's some sort of super Christian who has uh, no connection with our day-to-day lives? Well, closer to home, um, I want to share a personal example and Carly's given me permission to talk about this. Um, In 1991, Heather and I had our first daughter, Carly, um, and she had a thing called a complete avioventricular septum defect. What that means is she had two holes in the heart and a malformed valve. Now, she needed this surgery, um, open-heart surgery, to uh, really to survive past 20 or 15 and also um, not to have massive um, cardiac symptoms in between. So as as tears roll down our cheeks, we handed down that precious little baby to the anaesthetist at the operating theatre door. Over the next 48 hours, we not only lost Carly twice as her blood pressure fluctuated, And in fact, two other babies in intensive care who had similar procedures did in fact die. Now, probably like Steve and Nikki, we wandered around the hospital in a daze. Minutes felt like hours, hours felt like days and our emotions surged on the latest developments, whether good or bad. But how could God be working in for good in such circumstances? How could Heather and I have any contentment uh, in the hospital or be expected to learn contentment afterwards from these traumatic events? Is God perverse? Is Paul deranged? Are we ourselves, Heather and I, fools if we agree to what Paul is saying? Well, a sharper definition for Uh, Contentment for Christians would be contentment is the inward, gracious, quiet spirit that joyfully rests in God's providence. Providence is how 
God provides uh, provision. He provides what we need and uh, takes us through things. We'll speak learning contentment. Paul speaks of the special sort of contentment that he's learned. Now, he didn't gain this knowledge or this skill set at a weekend conference, even at SweatCon. Um, so he didn't get in a car or a chariot or on his feet and walk up to Katoomba. He didn't have a few sessions and uh, some meetings or leisure in the afternoon and more sessions at night. That's not how he learned contentment. So Paul writes in verse 13, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So Paul does not bear things in his own power. He's not stoic. Uh, It's not the result of some sort of power of positive thinking. Um, Paul actively leans on God. His contentment is the work of the Holy Spirit, changing him, teaching him. And uh, not Paul, but the other... Another apostle, Peter, speaks of being taught a right attitude uh, of dependence on God. So 1 Peter 5, uh, verse 6, uh, it says, or verse 8, I think this is, humble yourselves, oh, it is 6, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. For better or worse, God then usually continues his work uh, through suffering. Um, it's a bit like making a statue. You start with a block of marble, then you get out the mallet and the chisel or the pneumatic uh, drill and you start the shaping. And that's the a bit like how God starts, that, that heavy lift and lifting that hard, painful shaping. And then later on we'll get down to sanding and polishing. So God works in us. So God works through suffering but this is within limits. Uh, And the God of grace, so this is from 1 Peter 5 verse 10. I need glasses. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. So after the hard training, God as a father will wrap his arms around you and make you strong. But there are some obstacles to growing in this special sort of contentment, contentment independent of external circumstances. The first thing is that we're we're in spiritual warfare. So 1 Peter 5 uh, from verse 8, it says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. That last phrase, the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. 
So we're in a, a spiritual battle and um, one, one of the great things that Satan achieves is people not acknowledging there's such a thing as Satan, the, the devil, the evil one. And one way, among other things, that we, one way to challenge him is to certainly resist him, but resist him as a family of believers. So that's spiritual warfare, an obstacle uh, to contentment. Another obstacle to contentment is focusing on others and their blessings or their perceived blessings. So some other people are the beautiful people. They have the house, the boat, the car, um, really nice kite, really nice fishing rod. And, um, and even, you know, some Christians seem to have a truckload of those things. And we, we sort of ask ourselves, well, where do we miss out? Why do we not have those things? And those, that malcontent takes away our focus from God. Another uh, massive challenge to uh, obstacle to growing contentment is money. And uh, we don't talk about this much in Anglican churches because... Um, Anglican churches, according to censuses, are at the top, they're at the top of the socioeconomic ladder. So, um, arguably, we don't talk about money as much as we should. But let me talk, let me read 1 Timothy 6 from verses 9 and 10. One Timothy six nine and ten. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So money, in a sense is dangerous, it can have, give you a focus away from a contentment relationship with God. But at the same time, it's important to say that uh, Christians who are wealthy or have a little bit more than, say, the average, um, can be great servants of the Lord. They uh, can exercise hospitality and also can, can fund things that uh, others may not be able to do. So money can take away our focus from God, as can many other things, obsessions with fishing <laughs> and uh, you know our obsessive hobbies and these things. Any obsession uh, can make shipwreck of our faith. So... That's the obstacles. Well, let's uh, talk briefly about the gift, Paul's gift, well, the gift to Paul. Now, Paul's very grateful for the gift from the Philippians and the Philippians have been faithful from time to time to supporting Paul. And Paul uses that gift as a stepping, uh, stepping off point to talk about contentment, um, whether you're in lack or plenty, so that contentment independent of external circumstances. Now, the fact that uh, Paul was content 
whether he had a little or a lot, is not an excuse to starve our missionaries. Um, our missionaries have needs. Um, you know, it might be, well, bread, food and water. Uh, it'll be to equip them to do the things they do and also to care for their children. And also we need to um, support uh, Joe and Dave and their families uh, in, that, in similar things. So let's support them uh, in that way. Well, let's wrap up. God wants an intimate relationship with us. God is the source of contentment and um, he wants us to know that special, deep contentment that only he can provide. Certainly it's hard lessons, often suffering, that uh, grows that contentment in us, but it's important to get it and, and really to help each other to get it. It's, um, it is difficult when circumstances are swirling around us. Now, with Carly, Carly has grown to be a delightful young woman of 26. Um, after that, 20, 26 and a half. That's... Um, you know, after that operation when she's four and a half months, God has been gracious and preserved her life. Our lives have been very different to what how we thought it would play out about 30 years ago. Um, but I think the biggest lesson in all that is we've been taught about love. Um, we've been trained perhaps to... Love Carly, but I think more than that, she has shown by example to us how to love. Her love is um, profound, it's um, unquestioning and um, a sweet thing. But the other thing too, even more important than that, is that Carly became a believer when she was six years of age. And um, that's the greatest blessing of all. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, um, help us to learn contentment. Help us to recognise when we suffer that that's within a, a closed period, a lim- it's within limits and that you use it to shape us. Please um, wrap your hands around us um, as your people and um, we pray for Steve and Nikki at the moment as uh, I'm sure they are feeling a lot of the things that we felt of confusion and um, turbulence and perhaps asking, well, why is this happening to us? How have things got to this place? We pray that you'll wrap your arms around them and comfort them and pray that you'll work in Haley and uh, help us too as, a, as a, their spiritual family to care for them and love them um, in prayer and in practical ways. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.